Thank you for listening to the Prairie Oaks Pulpit Podcast. This is a recording of our Sunday morning sermons. I hope it is a blessing to you and contributes to your spiritual growth. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, supporting this ministry. God bless. Now let's get to the sermon. And so if you want, you can start turning in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, or you can use the board or a device, whatever. But we're working our way through, and we're going to start in verse 16, which we borrowed from it two weeks ago when we were in Romans chapter 1. We're going to borrow from it again, but we're going to go all the way through to the end of the chapter. So uh, we're going to be looking at, it's, it's a passage It's controversial in our day, but reality is it's been controversial since it was written. Because the Apostle Paul is peeling back the curtain and allowing people to look into hearts, how God sees hearts. And that's controversial because we don't like to be exposed. We don't like to be shown the dark spots, the dark stains of sin. And so... I preface this with, one, I'm not going to do justice to all that Paul packs into this. This is uh, meditative literature. It's something to be read over and over again and, and asking God to teach us through it. So I don't want, even though we're going to, it's going to feel like it's a superficial trip through this passage, there's a lot here. We're not, we're not plumbing the depths of it. But then also that we still come in with an open heart and open mind to hear what God has to say to us. Because it's easy for us to approach these scary spots and point rather than allow to come speak to us. So it's Romans chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 16, and it's a lengthy passage, but if you're able, would you stand with me out of respect for God's word? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man." and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their heart, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature, Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, 
God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Let's pause for prayer. Oh, Lord, there's a lot in this. Lord, it is an indictment of our nation, but it is also an indictment of our hearts. Oh, Lord, we ask that your spirit move inside us, Lord, to apply these words to our hearts. It is a picture of the blackness of a heart without Christ. And in many cases, Lord, the remnants of that blackness remains even once we have been saved. As you continue your work of sanctification to transform us into the image of your son. And so, Lord, I pray that above all things that we surrender to your spirit and your word as it is applied to our lives, O Lord. We ask that your spirit move in the children's chapel, Lord, to apply your word to their hearts as well at their level so that when you call, they answer and receive the gift of eternal life and forgiveness of sins that is only available through Jesus Christ. And that the lost would be saved in here as well, Lord. That our lives would be transformed and that your name would be praised for you are holy, you are righteous, you are just, you are also merciful and compassionate and gracious. And even your kindness leads us to repentance, if only we will let you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, the perfect image of God and the perfect teacher, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the Apostle Paul, he, he has turned a corner here in his letter to the Romans. Remember, this is his, his introduction to who he is. He has sent this letter by courier to Rome, a place he's never been before. And this is who he is, he says. And he doesn't talk about who he is, does he? There's no bi- very little biographical information because who he really is is he is a servant of Jesus Christ. As an ambassador, he represents Christ and his gospel, and that's what he presents. But there's a funny thing about the good news, and that is that the good news requires you to know what some of the bad news is. We don't appreciate good news oftentimes until we've seen some bad. We won't listen to the doctor until we realize how sick we really are. We won't accept the lawyer's advice until we're probably in trouble with the law. It is those kind of things that are as an indictment of us, is it not? And so the apostle Paul is beginning here in verse 18 and he doesn't wrap it up. He goes from the wrath of God in verse 18 to Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He's on a path to show us the bad news so that when we get to the good news, we're really a little more attentive 
to that good news. Because God's righteousness has been revealed from faith to faith. But also the wrath of God has been revealed. And it is interesting because, you know, um, you think of the wrath of God and you're thinking, you are like hurricanes and, and you know, uh, fire and, and, you know, tragedy and trauma. This is not the wrath of God it's talking about here. And you're going to see what this is referring to as we unpack this. But he says it's been revealed, and I want you to know why, he says. It's been revealed because of all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who have suppressed the truth. What he's saying is that we're not ignorant, we're liable. Because we know more than we admit. The problem isn't that he hasn't, there's no room for agnostics in this. Agnostic assumes that God hasn't given enough information. But this says here that God has clearly manifested, revealed it. You do know. And you're culpable for what you know. Because what is known of God is manifest in them. In them. God has shown it to them. Well, how did he do that? Since the creation of the world, he has been revealing himself. The invisible made visible. The in, uh, just think about that for a second. He's... The Apostle Paul is, is playing on words and he knows that these things are supposed to be like, Whoa, I don't, how do you see the, what is invisible? You see the effects of what is invisible. Because there are certain effects that are only possible because of what is invisible. His eternal power. In fact, that word eternal, it's a this is the other odd thing about this section of, of the letter to Romans is that he uses weird Greek words. There's a number of them. This is the only place they show up in the entire New Testament. Well, he's speaking in a language that these Romans would understand. He's using the language of philosophers. He's using the language of the world to show them that the world has been pointing to God all along. And so this word here is, it's not speaking of, of time because the philosophers, well, if he's the beginning and the end, then that means time extends beyond him, right? He says, no, he's the always. He invented time, extending beyond time. And that's not a new thought about God. If you go back to Exodus, like we've been doing on Sunday nights, what did he describe himself to Moses as? I am that I am. You tell them that I am sent you. I am always the same. Always. His constant. And then there's another really odd word here. And it gets translated for us as Godhead. Someone had asked me about that word the other day and I couldn't come up with a good definition. So I started going through the dictionaries. Guess what? There's not a good definition because it's basically the word about it's what makes him God and no one else. It's his being. He's God. We're not. 
And it's pretty obvious. And so he says, the invisible has been revealed, especially these things, his alwaysness, his godness. It is revealed in creation. And if you don't mind me riffing for just a second, think about this. The, the amazing detail in creation, our eyeballs, how it goes from out here, outside of my eyeball, and I, my brain processes just these little electrical impulses going on inside my eye to my brain, brain and the brain deciphers, and it can see Matt and it distinguish it from Brother Kenneth and all these, these things and the amazing detail that it has. And I don't have real good eyes at that. That's, that's, that's impossible. But God, yeah, that was just a gracious gift he gave. Here you go. It's a freebie. Have you ever thought, I didn't even think about this, but one of my books was saying, have you ever worried about whether you'll have enough air when you're out and about? And you have if you've been underwater or something, but you know, most of the time we don't really worry about if we, you know, hey, you're breathing too much, quit. Actually, I probably have heard that before. Um, but the reality is, is there's, there's plenty of air to go around. That's a freebie. God gave it to you. You've got air. You can breathe. Kind of makes you want to not take those things for granted. You know, there's a whole bunch of other things. You think about how, let's go the other direction to the universe. It's a really, 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 really big place. They thought it was big back in the days of Paul. Now that we've got the super mega telescopes and all this, we realize it's even bigger. And the same amount of detail that goes into this spot of the universe is all the way out there as well. Holy cow. That's an infinite God that can make something that big. And it just keeps getting bigger. Because he holds it in his hand. There is plenteous evidence of his alwaysness and his deity. So they are without excuse. If you've ever been discussing with someone, they're like, well, what about the innocent savage in the jungle that never heard of Christ? Well, there's two things going on here. One, if they're innocent, they're in good shape. What do we need to worry about them, right? There's none that are innocent. There's none. Because all have seen, all know. And that's uncomfortable for us. But then you go back and realize we're talking about the God of the universe who knows this intimate details. He knows what you're thinking. And if he knows that much detail, do you think he can take care of one of his lost sheep? that is seeking him. You talk to some missionaries and they've got some wild stories of how God has put them where they need to be to have the gospel to someone who is ready to receive it. Because God really doesn't, I mean, time, he invented it. It's not an issue for him. Space, it's all written in the palm of his hand. So for him to move someone to wherever he wants them to be to get them to do what they need to do because he's chose to use us Yeah, it's easy for God. It's not a big deal. 
Um, he's got this under control. Um, I'm, it, this is not part of the story, but this is part of the story now. Um, I was reading about an imam, uh, an Islamic teacher. I think he was in Pakistan. But his, he, it was his goal in life to be an Islamic teacher. And he got there and he was reading and, and he's like, wow, this, this Isa, Jesus, really is fascinating. But I feel like there's a lot more outside of the Quran than there is inside the Quran about him. I want to start knowing more about him. And he started reading the Gospels. And God just <laughs> drew him to himself. And he got saved. And now he's a preacher in a church. It's not hard for God. It's not hard for our God. So I just wanted to put that thought in your mind since I brought that up. I want you to know that we are all without excuse. But if God decides to draw someone to himself, he'll get them to him. Even with us kicking and screaming sometimes. Because he's a good father. He's a good God. But the problem is, is we're not. That kicking and screaming, it goes all the way to the heart. And so let's unpack that because that's where Paul goes here with this. Is he says, so they are without excuse because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their thoughts, their, it's, the, it's the Greek word for your inner dialogue. The things that we tell ourselves. You know, you are one of the most influential people in your lives because you talk to yourself more than anyone else does. Yeah, I know. I talk to myself all the time. I used to blame I was, I was talking to the dog, but now I don't have a dog. So now I have to be talking to myself. There's no one else to hear it. But it's that internal dialogue. But you notice because they refused to know God, to suppress what they knew of God, it ruins our thinking. It ruins our thinking and our hearts are darkened. But I want to think about this for a second because it's easy to read over this, this phrase here. But how often do we fail to give God the credit that credit is due and to give him thanks? This whole thing starts with not acknowledging God for being God and being thankful. Because you remember just a few minutes ago, we were talking about the freebies that God gives us. He, he made humanity, scooped up the mud and breathed into him the breath of life and became a living being and took part of him out and added some more and created woman and made the two of them together to be one. And ever since then, he has been weaving together every single individual in their mother's womb, handcrafted by God himself. That's you. That's your neighbor. It's every one of us. Handcrafted by God. I don't like the way he made me. I don't blame you. I don't like the way he made me either. But I am a work of God. And it is for his wisdom and his power to be revealed. And that's why he made me the way I am. And the way you are. But do we give him credit where credit is due or are we thankful? 
Because if we're not, we've already started on what we're going to see in Romans is the downward spiral. That's where it starts. That's where we're all culpable. But instead of giving God credit or being thankful, they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. And now there's, I'm going to, to point out one of the things that sticks out in this passage, and that is the trading. We trade. Now, my uncle is a trader. He knows how to trade. He is, he's done it. He's in his 80s now, and he still does it. He's used car salesman. He's, been, he's traded things up and down everywhere. He's, he knows how to trade up. The problem is, is we as human beings, spiritually, we trade down. We're constantly losing. Because we traded being the image of God to make God in our image. We traded down. We traded the, the transcendent, holy, and righteous God and traded it for something that is beneath us. That's what he just did there, Apostle Paul says, is that we traded down from being the image of God to making God in our own corruptible image and things like birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. We're really bad traders. But he's just getting started. But God says because they made that trade, then he allowed them. He gave them up. He gave them over. As, as, in a, as a humans, in a general rule, it's like, if that's the direction you're going to go, I'm going to let you go that way. But only with warnings. And so they went that way. He gave them over. He allowed them to go towards uncleanness. So in the lusts of their heart, in their desires, they didn't honor God, so now they've traded it for dishonor. And they dishonored their own bodies. They dishonored their own bodies among themselves. Who exchanged, who traded the truth of God for, and I noticed that three-letter word there, the lie. It's not a lie, it is the lie. Because Satan has been using the same lie since the garden. Don't follow God, be like God. And it's ruined us ever since. Because we think we can make our own rules. We think we can do it on our own. We trade really poorly. And so we dishonor our bodies among ourselves. And there's a lot of different ways we do that. But we have self-destructive sins. Sin is inherently self-destructive. But the reality is, is that a lot of our sins are obviously self-destructive. And we still do them. We still do them. Not just they, but we do. And we begin to worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, whether we do it or not. We worship and serve creatures because we will be serving something 
Will we serve God or will we serve things that are below us? Again, we trade down. And when we do that, for that reason, God gives us up. He allows us to vile passions. We've went from the inner dialogue to then our desires. And now we're getting into the feelings and those feelings are vile. And this is the icky part, right? Because I don't know if, if you can read between the lines there, but you probably can in these two verses as Paul talks about what we are. That we take the image of God and even the simple ways in which God made us, male and female, in his image, and we distort that. And again, this is one of those weird spots where Paul doesn't use the normal word. He uses the word for biological birth sex, your gender, birth. Why would he use that word? Was he reading the newspaper in 2020? No, because we don't have newspapers anymore. Was he looking at the internet in 2020? No. He was talking to the Romans who struggled with the very same things. We're not new, we're old. Because again, Satan doesn't have to have new tricks. He uses the old ones with great efficiency. And so... He says, this is the next step in this. Their feelings, their passions, their their desire went all wrong. What was even natural is now unnatural to them. And what is unnatural becomes what is normal. And again, we see where God says, I'm going to allow you to do this, but it hurts me to allow you to do that because he knows what is best. It comes with a warning. But one of the most frightening things is that God is so gracious. If you. He'll let you choose. He'll let you choose. Sometimes we'd be better off if he'd put our arm behind our back and and make us choose better. But the only way we would do that is if he gave us a new heart. And the only way he'll do that is if we ask for it. And so speaking of the heart, that's what's, what's coming in this then, is even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they wouldn't even acknowledge his existence. God gave them over to a debased, a reprobate mind. Their very intellect was worthless. That's what that word is. It just, it's, it's so foul, it doesn't even work. And it, was, it, it went with... With their inner dialogue, their desires, their feelings, and now even just the basic intellect, their ability to not drown themselves in a rainstorm, their ability to uh, just think is gone. Common sense. That's what he's referring to here. And here's the amazing thing is that Paul started this saying, because they didn't give God credit where credit was due, or give him thanks. That's something we all can kind of squirm about. 
By the time he finishes, we're back to squirming because did you read the list here that he just ripped through? Now, some of them are it's like, oh, those are those sins. I don't do those. And then other ones are like, oh, no, he's talking about me. Covetousness, envy, pride, gossiping, boasters. What is the last one? Unforgiving. You mean that's worse than, than those sins? It's where it is on the list. Because they are contrary to who God is in his character. They're a product of us forgetting who God is. Willingly suppressing who God is. Undiscerning, untrustworthy. They don't keep their promises. Unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Humanity rejects acknowledging God and that God is judge. And it, this is the list of sins that comes from that. This is, this is bad news. And we're all guilty. Because like I said at the beginning, Paul is starting a proof. And he says, I need everybody to come to the realization they need Jesus. Because somehow, by God, because he is God, he never did any of those. He lived the sinless life. God came himself in compassion, in love, in kindness, in grace, in mercy, to live the sinless life, to put on flesh and live out what he demands of us. Even in the midst of all the sin that was around him, he lived sinless by choice. By choice. And he allowed people like this, people like you and me, to shout crucify him and mock him and deny him so that he would go to a cruel Roman cross and die at the hands of people like this. Unmerciful, stirs up of trouble, hateful speech, haters of God, violent, proud, inventors of evil things, and allowed them to crucify him so that he would take those sins upon himself. He paid it all. And on the third day, he rose again. Conquering sin, conquering the devil, conquering death, conquering the grave, rising victorious ascending to the right hand of the Father to receive the kingdom that he preached, interceding on our behalf while he's there, awaiting the Father's command, son, go get your bride. And he's going to call us home. And the only way we get to participate in that is what we read in verses 16 and 17. Because of the power of God, we trust, we ask, and receive 
the good news message that Christ did this for us, that I'm one of those sinners that I needed rescued from myself is the, the kicker. And I receive the gift of eternal life. I receive the forgiveness of all the junk that I am and that I've done. That's good news. But the truth is, will you let him? You have to choose. Now we've seen where our choices are bad. But we, by the grace of God, he says, I'll help you even make the choice if you'll just come. And so we're going to have a song of invitation. Miss Holly's going to come and, and lead us in a song. And that's, that's the invitation. I don't know hearts. And I've told you this before. It's easy to fool the preacher. I, you can fool me. I'm, I'm gullible. But you can't fool him. And you better be sure that you're ready. Because one day we're all going to stand before him. And there's only one question. What did you do with Jesus? Did you trust in Jesus? My son, I gave him for you. Did you receive him? Because if you didn't, then it doesn't matter. We're guilty before God. If you did, then we're rescued. Maybe you've got some folks in your life that you want to pray that they make that decision. But whatever it is, as the Spirit is prompting this morning, will you stand and will you respond as He leads today?